good. How are you, daughter? I'm acting good. I gotta fix my chair. You know, we really need to get you a better chair. We need we need to get other guests better chairs. I think this is just fine. When I'm we okay when it. we redo this whole thing, we're gonna get better chairs. I promise you that. I'm just happy to finally be here. It's been a while. Yeah, it's your I've first time. It is What's my first, first time. What's your first time ever here? Yeah, I know. I just I, I'm I'm very impressed with how it all looks. College life. Yes. Okay, so you are, well, I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit here, but you are a Penn State student currently in the uh, film field down there. So yes. tell us a little about your college life through the first year. Yes, so I just went out to University Park State College uh, back in January. I went out a semester early because of my major requiring me to do so. And um, since I could say it was a great experience to start out and sadly obviously we got hit with the coronavirus so we were sent home after uh, spring break and everything but um, up until that point it was really cool to be in the classroom and actually get like a hands-on experience with the cameras and things that we were using at first we were using a DBX 200 I think it was called it was like a big red camera but it was like an actual uh, it looked like an actual movie camera and I mean I'm not I'm just uh, you know entering into the major um, I, w I grew up uh, loving movies, not realizing how much work gets put into movies and the behind the scenes of it all. So like, I think those are two different things that I have come to learn. That would be the biggest thing that I've learned so far is that there's a difference between loving film and having a passion for film and then actually being passionate enough to make film. Um, I mean, I'm sure you, you know how that is. Um, so being there in person was really, really cool, especially to be in like the big campus area setting and actually see others that are just as engaged as you or as interested as you and like have the same conversations that you think like sometimes, oh, nobody's interested in those conversations. I actually hear them talk about those same things. I thought that that was really cool. Um, I've had a great professor thus far. Um, her name's Dr. West Shadow. Um, she uh, has been my intro to filmmaking uh, professor since January, but then luckily I've gotten to have her again this semester for a public humanities class that has a lot to do with uh, filmmaking techniques and such, um, but focuses more on public humanities, but through like a filmmaking aspect. But um, as in regards to like um, everything I've gotten to do so far through it, um, being sent home was a setback, but it allowed all of us in our class to innovate and make use of what we had. Um, I used my cell phone uh, or my iPhone with a makeshift tripod. It was like a tripod, like a $20 tripod from Amazon, but I pretty much just used it and did a bunch of like um, tracking shots, like handheld kind of things, nothing really stationary. And my shot composition and things like that weren't the greatest, but it also allowed me, and I think I said this on a previous podcast, it gave me the chance to um, shoot my very, my two first short films with my best friends uh, here in Berwick when everything was going on and we probably shouldn't have been together, but we were trying to be as safe as possible in doing so. Um, and there were even setbacks with that and it caused us to just have to, um, you know, like I said, innovate and also just learn to maneuver all these difficulties. So I think that having to learn what it's like to do this in a pandemic um, and how much harder it was or is in a pandemic um, only will make it easier for us maybe when things return to normal but um, continuing on with this year so far um, that was that was last semester I got to make those short films with my best friends um, you know over the summer I didn't really spend too much time doing too many things that were um, film related I, I had some ideas of things that I wanted to do myself and get more experience with and like I at some point want to hopefully work with you guys or you um, but now this semester, I've been lucky enough that some of my classes are in person, some of them are still online, but I have to say the one thing that Penn State has done fairly well, which I was very skeptical about at first, was at least I've been one of the lucky ones in this, was trying to get the, or them trying to give the best experience to us uh, through all of this and trying to make the classes worthwhile and actually like worth our money or seen that way at least. And to me, I think that they've accomplished that. Um, as far as my, I have two film classes, um, COM 338, COM 340, one's like a narrative filmmaking class, the other one's like a technical aspect of it, like the behind the scenes, like how is this scene lit, or how do you light it, what is the sound design on it, um, more so behind the scenes than our other, our narrative filmmaking class is actually like, um, I got to write the script for the movie that we shot, or like the short film that we shot all throughout this semester now and worked with as like a team um, that will be edited together over the next few weeks uh, leading up to the end of the semester. Um, so both, both of those classes have given me different experiences overall, but um, both have been, I'd say, equally rewarding and have taught me a lot. Um, I, 
also at the same time too, the downfall to all this is I haven't gotten the full experience as some other students have. I feel like that has set me back. And now maybe as things return to normal in the future and I move on with, um, you know, film classes um, that are, you know, more advanced, it scares me because I feel like I'm gonna be behind and not know exactly what I'm doing, whereas there are gonna be some other people that know exactly what they're doing. But the thing that I could say um, that I've learned also that um, to make myself better is just teach yourself. There's plenty of um, opportunities and just chances to learn more about the subject at hand, film or anything relating to it through things like YouTube or just online or just reading books and textbooks in general. And a lot of it, I mean, a lot of the greats that you see uh, filmmaking or filmmakers, um, they've done a lot of it themselves. Like they weren't, didn't go to college or didn't, you know, they just watched people. They learned themselves, they read, they, they went out and they shot what was bad at first or what they considered to be garbage or not good and uh, you know every every I think filmmaker um, sees that you know as they progress in their work but um, having seen that having seen that and then uh, inspiring them to um, move forward and get better and better as time goes on that's something I think that just comes um, with teaching yourself that you can't learn in school so I've had I feel like the best of both worlds having to learn what it's like um, through a very hard time, and I, you know, I can't, I can't talk. There have been so many other people that have had experiences worse than I have had, or struggled worse than I have had. I really haven't. I don't mean to talk like I'm, you know, in any bad position whatsoever. I've been very lucky and fortunate, and I appreciate that, and I don't take that for granted. But um, yeah, I'm just, I've learned a lot through all of this, and I'm looking forward uh, to move forward and continue on with film and video at Penn State. Um, like I said, um, my professor that I've had thus far in that class and the other professors that I've had for the narrative filmmaking and the uh, technical aspects of filmmaking, um, they've been very nice, very hands-on, and they want us to be more in person. And they're okay with like having to settle with you know lowering the class sizes, getting and but having to teach more classes to get us all in there to make sure that we have those hands-on experiences that we need because really a lot of the stuff you can't learn over Zoom. It's hard. You need to be hands-on doing it yourself. and. You know, I'm one of the few lucky ones that has gotten to experience that. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very lucky. See, when, when I went to Bloomsburg University, uh, I can go back to at least Dubois Business College, where, I, where we had, like, the more consistent way of filmmaking. Uh, Dubois yeah. was strictly for film. Uh, of course, Bloomsburg was more telecommunications journalism. So mm -hmm. we never had, like, specific courses designed. Yes. But, you know, we had, like, the, the broad idea of it. Now, you get to dwell in all these different paths, like you said about the lighting, the uh, cinematography, and, of course, the uh, sound design and pre-production, post-production. Do you find yourself pulled to one area? And the reason I'm going to ask that is because, I don't know if I told you this or anybody else, but when I was growing up, trying to figure out, well, if I was going to be a writer or if I was into robotics or what I was into... Yeah. Um, it was really behind the scenes that really drew me in, and specifically Star Wars behind the scenes mm -hmm. that I always talk about. And I always thought to myself, man, I want to be the like behind the scenes. And I kind of am. I'm the director, of course, but like it, I thought it would be so cool to build like, the, like these props and the sound stages and everything else. Uh, do you feel yourself pulled to one area, or do you always kind of like want to be director, writer, or do you find something cool and fascinating that you're like, man, I never thought I would like this better? So it's funny you say that. Um, the one thing. Um, that I really love and enjoy and am passionate about is I'd say screenwriting. I feel like that comes easy. I know that's not really, I, I guess that is one more so, or one uh, of the technical aspects or like the behind the scenes aspects. I mean, you can't have a film without a screenplay or like something to go off of. Um, and, you know, screenwriting has been something that I've been passionate about. I can trace back to 2013. That was like when I first or started working on my first screenplay, which I know I've told a million people that I'd have finished by now. Still has not been finished. It's like a passion project of mine, something that I'm like, it's just my first, it's like my baby, you know, like, uh, I, I want it to be perfect, but yet I find myself always procrastinating on it and not getting it done. Um, the cool thing with Penn State is that through film and video, there's you get the chance to learn directing, uh, producing, cinematography, and screenwriting. So they give you that like very broad category of all these aspects, and you get to choose from those uh, you know broad categories what you want to specify in or just learn it all. And through a lot of these classes, I mean, intro to filmmaking kind of taught us the basics of it all so that we could go forward and pick and choose what we want from there. Um, but I guess my main focus would be um, screenwriting. Um, 
I, I really am passionate about it. I have, I think, a lot of good ideas. Like, as soon as I hear something that someone says, and I think I've said this on previous podcasts as well, like, I write notes on my phone, I'll go back and, like, uh, sort them into files on my computer or save them in my uh, flash drive or anything like that. The, the thing that has um, made me question uh, what I like and what I want to do has been going through these classes, but I think that that's been a good thing, um, being able to, because uh, in a lot of these classes we've taken turns as like being the director, the DP, um, the sound boom pole person, you know, d different uh, jobs and responsibilities, and like getting to see that and actually be hands on with it and do it ourselves, it has given me uh, much insight into like, uh, do I really want to do this? Can I really do this? Is this for me? But those are the best questions to ask because I mean you don't want to do something you are incapable of or that you don't enjoy. So I think that that's. Um, that's a really good question that college has caused me to reflect upon myself. Um, but then again, like I see the thing that inspires me and causes me to keep moving forward is like, there are days where I'm like, I don't think this is for me. I don't think maybe I can do this. I think maybe just, I love movies and I don't want to be a, a filmmaker or something like that. But then I do something with someone or someone helps me do something. And I see for like a split second, like what that thing could be or the potential that that thing has. And that's what keeps me moving forward thinking that, okay, maybe this is for me. Maybe I do have like a voice or an eye in this. Um, so I think I don't, I, I don't like what I, what I tell people when they ask me what I want to do, I say I want to get into screenwriting and directing. Screenwriting would be number one, directing would be number two. I need a lot more experience in both and I need a lot more practice with both. Um, I'm not a professional by any means, um, but in regards to like if I have a favorite, I would say it is getting to screenwrite and getting the chance to direct and tell people what to do and how you want to see that portrayed on screen. Um, I think that's really, really neat. Do you feel like, and uh I'm not really going to call back to my college days, but we've, of course, I worked with a lot of, obviously, you were working with peers, I'm working with peers yes. when it comes to college, and, like, you know, when you're first starting off in this field, do you feel like, um, where do you feel like you're at right now in the class? Like, do you feel like you're middle? Do you feel like you're top? Do you feel like you're bottom? With everything that's been going on, it's very hard to tell because, uh, you know, everybody's work seems a little bit more subpar than it should be just because we've had to, you know, innovate again and do things on our own we've gotten to rent out they've given us these um i don't know the exact name of it i should know the exact name of it just these small like handheld cameras and stuff and like tascam recorders um and such to uh do work outside of the classroom ourselves whether whether that be like interviews or filmmaking with others um any of those things and to answer your question like of course nobody's gonna tell probably say that oh i'm the best like on the top I don't think I'm medium either. I think I am definitely at the bottom because going into it last semester, I saw that there were people that were more um, experienced than me, more talented than me for sure. But that doesn't discredit you. I think that encourages you more so. And it also gives you a chance to reach out to those people and find out what you're doing wrong, what you need to improve upon. The greatest thing so far has been the feedback from everybody because what I've come to find regardless, I haven't experienced anybody like, at least in high school, there was always like that cocky person that told you you couldn't do this you couldn't do that or like you know made you feel like below in college you really don't get that i don't think anyway i think everybody's very encouraging one another um and they want to see you succeed uh as far as professors and stuff go as well i mean my grades maybe put me in like sure like the medium top part of the class like i got 90s or 95s or things like that but it's more so if you show up to the class you get a good grade if you if you are um you know like not volunteering, but um, participating. Like you get a good grade. Um, so it's it, they they don't really grade you harshly, and they just want to see you excel and be better than you were at the beginning of the semester, or at the beginning of the class. And I think that that's both good and bad because um, obviously you could show up and just like hold something and be like, oh yeah, I'm an expert filmmaker, but then again, you're not going to go out and be the next Scorsese or something like that. So, um, you know, there's pros and cons to it all. I don't know where I'd rank myself, to be honest. I would, if I had to, it would definitely be, I'd say between like bad and medium or like, you know, right in the, in the middle there. Um, I feel like I, I'm definitely further um, than I was at the start. I know more than I did um but could i go out tomorrow all by myself shoot a feature length film and know exactly what i'm doing no and i think that just takes years and years of experience but do i feel confident in the years to come yes so well the reason why i ask you that is not to be like self-confident or self-boasting yeah. or whatever it's because you always got to look back at what you've done 
okay, and like look at yourself. It's kind of like an evaluation, okay? Mm -hmm. I do this with every film. It's like, am I progressing? Am I progressing? I would say since Visions of Truth, I've taken off, but Visions of Truth to me was my worst film I've ever put out, okay? That just I still think it's good. <laughs> well, thank you. But it's one of those issues where it's like I saw the chance for cinematography, but I didn't capitalize on the story. Mm -hmm. So my focus moving forward was story, and the cinematography came with it. Mm -hmm. When I ask you that, because... And you put yourself down there, like, middle to, like, low end of the spectrum. But to me, I base everything, especially in college, off enthusiasm, work ethic, and drive. Mm -hmm. So where do you think you fall on for those issues? That's a good way to rank it as well. So you said enthusiasm, drive, and... Enthusiasm, drive, and... Uh, Basically aspiration. Yeah, aspiration. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like I am definitely, uh, I aspire to be better than I was yesterday or the day before or anything like that. And I, I always look forward to the future. I'm very optimistic. And I always, um, how you said, you know, like to compare uh, past work and everything I do in every aspect of my life, I constantly think about like, okay, where was I in high school compared to where I'm at now? Do I like myself more than I did now? And that's not like, not to be like self-conscious about yourself, but you know, to show um, how much you've matured or mm -hmm. have grown as a person, I think that that's very important to understand and realize, especially like if you have a bad day or something like that. And I know I'm getting off the filmmaking. Well, no, because if you can't do that, here. then you'll never grow. Exactly, exactly. I think that goes into every aspect along with filmmaking too. If that's what you want to do, you need to be able to evaluate yourself and see that growth. Um, you can't just assume that you're good at all those things. So as far as aspirations go, yes, I feel like I, I am very um, confident that I am like ready to continue and and look forward. Um, as far as like um, mo like motivated and and such, it's kind of hard now with everything that's going on. I feel like if things were normal, maybe I would be a little bit more motivated. There are so many ideas that I have that I know I could probably tackle um, if if I just put myself, you know put myself out there, did it, reached out to people to help me out. I mean, I know I have you, like, you know, on speed dial, essentially, that I could call you anytime, ask you any question, but have I done any of those things? Like, I haven't asked you too many questions. I should take advantage of those people that are around me that are willing to help me out because that's only going to help me grow. And I, like, that's the advice I'd give to anybody is just take advantage of the people that are around them and let those people motivate you. Like, not that you don't have to put in the work yourself, that they'll carry you or anything like that, but just, you know, utilize what you have around you. I think that that's very... Um, it's a it's a very good thing to have. Um, so I forget what the other thing it was. I'm sorry, it enthusiasm, was, drive, and enthusiasm, drive, and aspiration. So yeah, I'd say enthusiasm is along the lines of motivation, um, and my drive then would be um, that I can just like I, I mentioned a little bit earlier that like seeing that tiny little aspect of like a project and seeing what it could be or what it what it was or something like that or um, you know, just having like the dream behind it, I think that that's enough of a drive to keep you going and to keep you wanting more um, and continue to work hard uh, to get to where you want to be. I mean, you said, you know, you've seen yourself improve from your very first film. Um, and, you know, I've seen that too as well. I mean, I thought your first film was good. Um, so to like only for you to think that that's bad and then continue and see that what I think is really good, you probably might think is like less than good. It's like, you know, I mean, everybody's you know going to be judgmental of their own craft. I mean, I am too. I mean, I constantly look at it. I mean, I like when people give me compliments and things like that, but I got to take that with a grain of salt too, because it's like, okay, that's family and friends complimenting me, like, you know, wanting to tell me that I did good and whatnot. But you know, if, uh, never trust friends and family. Yes. No. Critiquing. I know. And then, and, you know, hearing professors and classmates are a lot more helpful um, just because they will tell you straight up, you know, what you need to improve upon. And even me, like, we have to give critiques of our classmates' work and things when we present them in class. I'm very, like, laid back when I do it. I should be harder. Like, there are things that I want to say, but I don't because I'm, like, like even though they're anonymous, like, our teacher or our professor takes those um, critique sheets that we write out and submit, and they split them up and then send them to each of us individually, but they're anonymous from everybody, so you don't know who they came from. But, like, I never want to be that person that was, like, that was terrible. You should change that. I, I like, try to give them, like, the best, like, I, I try to say it in the best possible way, but, you know, you need to get that criticism. You need to hear that. Um, but I don't mean to get off topic about the enthusiasm, drive, um, and aspiration, but I guess that's where I'd fall in each of those categories. You talk about critique. I think, again, you nailed it when it comes to critique. You've got to be able to you know, accept the critique in order for you to get better, and especially using outside sources. There was one time I sent a, 
uh, one of my videos to I'm in this uh, artist group in Los Angeles somebody was able to get me into oh really so and it's basically for like housing yeah <laughs> but like they talk about films and like gigs and stuff like that so every now and then I'll throw like a new film in there and say hey can you guys review it uh-huh. I get some feedback and stuff like that I'm wor- working on getting a few of them to come on the podcast virtually yeah. so oh, cool. it, it's, a, it's a work in progress but uh, it's fascinating to get their critique and get critique from the people in the field or aspiring to be in the field as well mm-hmm. so I mean getting critiques from classmates uh, before I ask you what your best and worst critique ever was, uh, I'm going to state something that, that stuck in my head. And maybe this sounds judgmental. One of the worst critiques I ever had was from a student, you know, and this goes back to the Fight For Me days. Um, when I did Fight For Me last year, I was using green screen. I was doing all sorts of stuff like this and trying to go above and beyond other students. But obviously, I had previously came from a film school. So to go to Bloomsburg University where they necessarily didn't, like, a lot of these kids were just learning the basics all around mm-hmm. instead of just, like, film. Um, what irritated me the most was my worst critique I ever got from that was, you know, I showed the whole Fight For Me clip, whatever. You know, and people gave their critiques like, oh, well, I wish I could see it a little bit better. It was a little bit dark. We had to shoot it that way because of how the scenery was set. Yeah. But the kid that had previously gone before me that shot everything off his cell phone. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Told me he's like, oh, I would have chosen a different shot than that. <laughs> yeah, no. I was like, really? <laughs> That's my biggest uh, pet peeve when it comes to that. But what is your best or worst critique you've ever had so far? That's a good question because I don't have the answer to both. I'd have to honestly sit down and think about that because, like I've said, uh, bef- just before, like. Um, Classmates and teachers have been very lenient thus far when it's come to these things. I mean, it's just pretty much like small nitpicky things like music or editing or like, I guess the biggest thing would be um, the second short film that I shot was something that I had written. It was a story that I had written when I was in high school and I really loved it. And I thought, okay, I want to do something with this one day at some point in time. I want to make it into a short film, maybe even a feature length film, but it, it had that short film potential. And I really didn't think this is one of those things where like you have to analyze where you're at now and look back on it. Like just three years ago I was a senior in high school and I wrote this story and like I was like oh yeah there'll be years down the road and little did I know that my sophomore year of college I'd be making it into a short film and it took a lot of you know time and effort and coordination and having to reshoot things that were like you know um what do you call it when you know things don't match in like different shots the uh, continuity continuity Continuity, yeah there were so many different things uh that we had to go back and reshoot i felt so bad because you know these are my best friends i'm asking them to go through so much but then again at the same time because they were my best friends it was like oh you guys can handle it you guys can take it so and you know getting to do something like that um you know where it just started out as something small in high school and making it into actually like a you know, your own in college was uh, something that I thought was really, really cool and a great experience to get to do so. But, you know, your classmates and your professor don't, I mean, I guess your professor more so because of check-ins and stuff like that that we had in the class knew what I had to go through. But um, a lot of people in the class, you know, they were from cities or like other areas where their family were very, um, like conscious about coronavirus. Not to say that it shouldn't be taken seriously, but a lot of people were just um, like secluded to their own house. And it was like a lot of, to me, and I, I don't mean to offend anybody if I, I, I don't think any of my friends from Penn State will hear this, but, and, you know, I, I don't even know if I consider them just friends or colleagues at this it, point. It will if you share and click that. Yeah. I, <laughs> anyways. Yes, I don't, I don't mean to. Great way to get into it. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's a good, that's a good <laughs> But um, I just, I don't want to like hurt their feelings at all, but like, you know, they didn't they didn't really go out they just used like a lot of things that they did um whether it be documentaries or um they're like experimental or not, i guess they weren't experimental but like they're narrative films because so this is gonna just go i, I hope you don't mind like this is so no go ahead because probably. i'm gonna say something that probably will offend people okay all right so our third film uh that we made last semester that was supposed to be a documentary film but because we got sent home we had the choice to make it either a narrative film or a documentary film everybody chose boring stock footage and did a boring documentary about coronavirus it put everybody to me it made me more depressed than i already like not that i was but you know like it just put you in more of a depressed state than anything and then here i come i thought i was maybe going to be you know i didn't know how it was going to be perceived i was so scared i was one of the last ones to go in the class 
I made a satire about coronavirus called Anorak, just Corona spelled backwards, and it was just like supposed to be a little uh, comedy thing about um, you know how like the toilet paper shortage and everything like that was going on. It was just like this couple arguing about what to get in the store because there was a shortage of things, but they, they were getting like the most non-essential things possible. Um, and I you know I just tried to be funny in two to three pages, and I thought I succeeded in that regard. But you know then when it came to the technical aspect of it. You know, people would critique you and things like that and tell you what you did wrong. But it was like, okay, well, you sat at home and used stock footage. Well, I went out and tried to shoot and, like, actually tried to do something. And that's not, you know, we were limited. So I'm not critiquing anybody in that regard. But then when it came to the narrative filmmaking, you know, that was something we were able to do at our home or use the people around us to do. Again, I went out with my friends and tried to do things in our hometown. Um, whereas, like, everybody else kind of just stayed at home and did something around their home. At from, and, you know, some people were really cool. Like, this one girl that I'm working with now who's still in my class, she did, like, um, stop-motion animation and did something, like, really, really neat with that. And then, uh, and th I'm probably forgetting, too, there were probably some others that were really, really neat. I'm not trying to criticize these people whatsoever, but, um, you know, and that's not me, like, being, you know, I don't know what the word would be, like, butthurt about a critique, but um, they're not taking it, like, maturely, like, complaining about everyone else when you get, uh, you know, told what you did wrong. But, um... I guess that was just my thing. The worst critique that I've ever had was just, you know, more so like, it is hard to say. Just like, well, I think it angers you more because the critique that we all kind of remember is not that it's critique; it's because it's hypocritical when yeah. the other person doesn't put out the work and work. Yeah. critique you it, as well. Yeah. But what I'm about to say that might offend some people is, especially in the media field, which I graduated. Remember, I wasn't like straight filmmaking. Yes. You're gonna be straight filmmaking. Um, we have one of the easiest majors. And I think that hurts us across the board because you can see a lot of people that are coming in for all these different areas mm -hmm. and they don't really necessarily care about the media, but it's a, I got a degree from college type of job. Mm -hmm. um, and I notice that because there's kids that come out like, you know, and I'm showing my films there. I'm trying to get the best out of, out of the college education that I can and the best experience. And there's kids coming in like, oh, I just shot this the night before, yeah. you know, and they're getting by. They're just going by in class. Mm -hmm. Like teachers will pass them. And I understand that. It's like you don't want to ever as a college want to lose money, you mm -hmm. know, by not passing kids. Although you'd gain more money if you failed kids. But yeah, yeah. You know, they always want to pass the kids along through. Yeah. Um, and that's where I think it hurts. And you don't got to speak up on that part if you obviously don't want to. But I feel during my time, you saw half the kids that were there were like wanting to be there. The other half was there for just a degree. Yeah. I mean, I, as far as, it, or as far as my experience goes, um, everybody, like, my classes have been very small. It's like 12 to 13 people in each of these classes, some even smaller than that. And these are the filmmaking classes I'm not talking about, or I'm not I'm talking about, not like gen ed classes. And it's like, with that small amount, it's nice because everyone wants to, like, hear what e each other has to say, critique, listen to feedback and such. But all of those people are there because they want to be there. At least that's in my experience anyway. I mean, I know you just said something completely different. I haven't seen anything yet where it's like someone just trying to get by or like squeeze by or anything like that. Um, they're very serious and it seems dedicated to like maturing their craft. And like, I give them props for that, that we're all there still trying to do that. Even with everything going on and that everybody's sticking with it, nobody like has moved on to something else. Cause again, like I said, I'm working with someone now that I worked with last semester or last semester or that I knew last semester I didn't work with her, but now I'm working with her now. And you know, I, a couple returning people that I'm gonna probably work with throughout the rest of college. So, um, you know, I think we, we might have two different experiences there, but I completely get that too because I hear stories about other majors and I see other things where, you know, it, it could be applied to any major where, you know, people are just there to get there. They think as soon as they get the degree, they're going to get the job like that. And it doesn't work like that. And I think that work ethic will come to bite them in the butt later on down the road. Um, and they might not see that right now. But I think that those people that are dedicated to their work and want to continue with it will excel. I think that's the difference between the two. No, I agree. No, I completely agree there. But again, that's just my critique from my college experience yeah. oh, compared to what yours is. And I'm glad that yours is more like that because when I was down at Dubois Business College, everybody was like hands-on, you know, like yeah. that was strictly film. Like there was like no other core classes. Yeah. <laughs> like, so we were just hands-on film and we got to really dwell in 
each other's creativity and feed off each other. We were always watching films. We were always doing this. Like this was like for four hours a day. Like we had yeah. classes for like eight to like noon each day. Like just one class all the way through. Yeah. So uh, shout out to our professor. Yeah. Um, well, I just to say real quick too. That's one thing that I was like nervous about going to Penn State University, like State College. You know, started out at Hazleton, small classes there and everything too. And I didn't know, you know, how many people are going to be in the film major, how many people are actually going to be in each class, um, and then getting there and seeing that there's like twelve people and we're all sitting like in this very like square table and we're all like fitting in this very small room. I was I was shocked. That I was like, okay, this is going to be like because I. I excel more so when I don't get lost in the class like in a mass lecture when there's 300 people and one professor I'm not gonna have the confidence to go out and talk to that professor I mean like I maybe I'll email him and stuff but like I'm not gonna raise my hand in the middle of class and be like I don't get this and slow down 300 other people that are faster than me so it's nice and I mean you know those are gen ed classes that didn't really matter in my opinion anyway in a filmmaking class you know I'd obviously raise my hand because I'm paying for the education or you know my parents are helping me pay for the education so you know that's a lot more important and crucial um, but, you know, having that smaller class size also allows for the one-on-one -on -one and you to raise your hand whenever you want with whatever you need and not have to feel like, um, you know, insecure or like scared to do so. So I think that that's really cool. I think it, oh, that's also like a factor in all of it as well, like how big your class size is, what the environment's like, what the vibe is like. Um, so yeah, I mean, just figured I'd add that in there. there. I know it's a little bit off topic. So let's talk a little bit about movies in 2020 there really hasn't been a lot to show forth you saw tenant without me obviously uh, we'll, we'll uh we'll bypass that uh logan's i'm sure pissed at you too um so tenant any other yes. movies that you're considering for a uh, very shortened uh academy award list in 2021 so i get yeah there hasn't been too many to uh choose from uh tenant i would definitely say is up there i mean at the beginning of the year it started out it was really cool i remember like bad boys for life and uh birds of prey like those were really cool movies. even sonic like that was one that's surprised the heck out of me that surprised uh, a lot of people yeah I, I i really liked that one after um, they made the changes yeah no and uh, yeah no I, I think that was a publicity stunt i think that was prepared by the you way think so i think so i think they did that to get a lot of people to talk about it that they did that different. for the genie aladdin then too yeah, I think it's. I, I think mean, it worked that, for you both. You think that's actually a publicity stunt, or do you think that's just good feedback so they don't look like idiots when it comes out? I think. Not saying that anybody professional ever looks like idiots, but no, no, I get that. Um, I think the genie thing. I, I don't know about the genie thing with the Aladdin because I think they might have went in with the confidence thinking like, oh yeah, this looks great, and then you saw they, the first like Will Smith pose as the genie. Oh right? yeah, the yeah, yeah, yes. What was worse, the first Will G and the first genie, or the first Sonic? Which one had the? Oh, easily the first Sonic. I thought. I mean, I, not that I. I mean, I like played some of the games when I was younger on like Game Boy and stuff like that, but. I never was like passionate about it where like I saw the design and I was like oh my god I can't watch that movie if that's how it comes out but you know I knew that it looked awfully different than from what the game was and then once I saw them do the redesign I was like oh okay that like that actually looks really good and I think that paid off financially if you look at the like box office receipt it did pretty well um, but you know those are a few I mean I, I'm trying to think right now I remember like Onward that uh, Disney Pixar movie that one I really really enjoyed um, there were some small movies throughout too that I know I'm definitely going to be forgetting here but um, I know like I just watched on Amazon Prime Borat the new Borat I thought that that was very funny um, Tenet was another one that really cool that I got to see in theaters and I'm sorry that I, we'll make up for it at some point I, I promise um, I'm just upset that they can't or that they postponed the um, oh what was that I just blanked I had it in my head um, the what was that one the Quiet Place Second oh Quiet, Quiet Place too yes yeah no I was I was so looking forward to that too and that became that was gonna be like the week after like the virus blew up too and I it was like we just missed that one but uh, yeah I was looking very I was really looking forward to that um, as far as Tenet goes to talk a little bit about that I don't want to spoil anything that anybody who hasn't seen it. I highly recommend it. <laughs> I I was that guy, and I am that guy about every movie that I walk out of not understanding, and I'm sometimes angry when I when that happens because I feel like as a film person I'm required to understand every movie I go into, and when I don't, I'm frustrated. Especially when someone that's not a film person will come out with me. Like I have a ton of my close friends that will come out and be like, they'll they'll explain to me what happened, and I'd be like, how do you get that? And I'm the one that watches all the movies, and I don't even get that. So. Um, Tenet was one that I knew before I even went in. I wasn't going to understand it coming out. I saw the reviews. I would listen to the reviews. I listened to a couple, like, analysis of it, like, spoiler-free um, people analyzing it. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be one of those that requires at least, like, you know, a few watches and a bunch of videos to explain what happened. I was like, I'm going to go in with a blank mind, try to get the most out of it, and just go see it. And if it makes you feel any better, 
I went with my friends, uh, McKelly and Braden. I came back very late. We had to go catch like a 10 o'clock showing and I had to make it to Penn State that night. So I didn't get back to Penn State till probably like two in the morning or something like, or no, 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 sorry. We went to go see like a seven or eight o'clock showing and it took me until like 12, one o'clock to get back to Penn State. So that was a night, but also the, the thing too, we were the only ones in the theater, which was cool, but the lights were on the entire movie up until the last 20 minutes. <laughs> And so then, they did not realize it. They, I, they didn't realize it, but then the movie started, and also all three of us just kind of looked at each other and did the nose goes things as to like who goes out to tell them the lights are still on. And so nobody went. And nobody <laughs> went because the movie started, and it was one of those movies that was going to require like all your attention. And I was like, I'm not missing this, guys, and they were like, I'm not missing this either. So I was like, okay, well then I guess our eyes are just going to adjust to watching the movie with the lights on. It wasn't the best experience. I definitely want to watch it again with the lights off, or not like lights off, but you know, but being able to see it better. Cool thing was. Uh, there was a guy waiting for us at the end, which I thought maybe would happen. He had like three free tickets for us on the way out. Then a couple months later, we find out that all the Regals are closing temporarily. So, uh, and that was where we saw a Regal Hazleton. So, ticket was could not be used now. You or get free tickets wherever you go. We went to go see 1917. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in the same theater. Sorry, didn't download, guys. Yeah, no, that stunk too because they like had just played it the day before or something like that, but it didn't work that night. Um, yeah, and it took me actually, I, I had to watch that. Um, actually, I remember watching that at our cabin with like some family and friends and stuff like that, but that wasn't until May when I got to watch it. So, like, six months after it finally, you know, came out that I got to watch that. But yeah, that was quite the experience too. And there's been a couple times where that's happened, uh, like in the Burger Theater too. That was before they switched to digital. That was like when they were on the old reels and stuff like that. That would happen more a little bit more often, but a couple times even the big places obviously like Bloomsburg or Hazleton or things like that and working at a theater now up at State College College 9 uh, shout out there too um, you know there's been some pro like you know not anything big or you know drastic or anything like that but you know there's issues everywhere you look um, but back on to the the movie topic of uh, Tenet one that I'd highly recommend it will be a uh, mind twister um, I, I've watched, I don't even know how many videos on it, like trying to explain it to me or like having someone explain it to me. And there, it, the thing that's so like crazy about it is that like there's such a divide. It's, it's a divisive movie, I think, where people like either consider it garbage and I think that's because they don't give it enough time to try to look into it more so. And then there's the people that like think it's a masterpiece. I think I'm one of, the, I'm one of those people that think it's gonna be a, mas a masterpiece in the years to come and that people just, I think it was a little bit ahead of its time and obviously with uh, coronavirus too, and everything like I think that was one that definitely should have waited um, to come out um, just like I mean financially I guess but also too I saw Christopher Nolan was getting like 60% of the box office return for that so I could see why he was like pushing yeah. to get it out there um, not that I think he's in any financial struggle but uh, yeah so one that I that was definitely one that I highly recommend and I'm trying to think if it, if I knew this question beforehand I would have definitely looked through like the list of movies that have come out this year and like what I've seen um, I wish I, I wish I could say. Well, there's no point looking through the list. I mean, the most memorable was the most memorable. Yeah, yeah. You need to look through a list. It's not. Well, I know, but there's there was some that there were definitely some small ones like here and there that I saw that I just. Oh, well, I know. The one that I'm looking forward to, I think gonna, uh, we're going to go see this with some friends tomorrow night, is Freaky. I don't know if you saw that advertised, but the one with Vince Vaughn is like a horror comedy movie. I'm really looking forward to that because that's the same guy who directed uh, the Happy Death Day movies. I don't know if you okay. ever saw those, yep. but I thought those were really fun, like horror sci-fi comedy movies that like you don't expect the premise to be as solid as it is. And even though they're like repetitive premises from, or premises from other movies and stuff like that, it's cool to see like a Groundhog Day theme go into a horror theme. And then now it's like Freaky Friday, like which was a Disney comedy comedy turned into like a horror theme there so I think that those are very innovative uh, cool things and I'm looking forward to that I'm hoping that the end of this year doesn't get postponed because I see on Christmas Day which I don't know if you saw that too but Wonder Woman Wonder Woman is actually going to be on HBO that's what they're claiming and the movie theater the same day I want to see that because that's one movie that has grown on me much when I first saw Wonder Woman I was like that was the most overrated movie ever and like watching it you know more and more as the years have gone on I really like it. I really enjoy it. That's another another one too, Black Panther. I thought that just got lost in the hype too, but watching that like as years go on as well, I really enjoyed that. So I'm looking forward to Black Widow. Oh, Black Widow. Like that's yeah. well, that's gonna be that might be Disney Plus. I saw. Are you referencing Black Panther or Black? Or Widow? Black, no, Black Panther. Oh, you're actually referencing Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Wait. Were you like? No, I, I thought maybe. No, oh no. no yeah. No, that's all good. No, I really Black Panther was one that I just thought like was so over overhyped, but gotcha. then. Um, you know, no, what confused like, me was I thought you meant Black Widow because we were talking about it still this year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, sorry, no. sorry. Yeah, when no. you're talking about over... I absolutely agree with overhype. Yeah. 
Um, but again, there, there's some movies like that, I think, as time goes on. But there's, um, like, on Christmas Day, there's a movie called News of the World with Tom Hanks coming out. There's also, like, a very, uh, like, low-key, I think it's, like, like a thriller kind of movie called Promising Young Woman with uh, Carrie Mulligan. Um, I've seen the trailers for that, and I think that that looks really good. The re- early reviews for it are supposed to be amazing. But those are, like, very small movies that, like, nobody really knows about that were supposed to... Well, I know Promising Young Woman was supposed to be released earlier this year, and now it got postponed to Christmas. So I'm hoping those three still stay the same i mean honestly wonder woman once that gets put on hbo max like should probably be put on some like other kind of like website that's maybe not legal but um i i don't know if i'll go to the theater to see that but um yeah the other ones i i hope and i'm just looking to return to the movie theaters to be honest like i can't wait to go tomorrow if we, if we do end up going just to be back at like bloomsburg theater because i don't think i've been there since uh Probably 1917 was the last time that I was there, which is crazy that it was a year ago because I was one of those like AMC rewards members, which is just, you know might be a little bit embarrassing to say. But I uh, are you still paying for that during the lockdown? I don't. I don't think. I think they gave us our money back because I had just renewed it like right around that time, and then I th- I think if I remember correctly, they gave if us you the- didn't, I'd be questioning that. Yeah. <laughs> I think they gave us the money back. I could be wrong, or if it was it was just like they stopped it i'm not sure but it, it was so nice because you know once amc took it over from i think it was carmikey before that um you know they did like they had like 4.99 matinees five dollar tuesdays and like 6.99 at night or like onward or, or you know like as time went on and then 3d movies were only like 8.99 or something like yeah. that and like before that when it was carmikey like prices were you know if you didn't go during the day like early in the day and it was cheaper during the day if you went at night it was like over 10 bucks to go see a movie like and it was well, just they were caught in a bad situation too because yeah. they spent i i want to make sure i get the number right i think it was five billion dollars to go revamp a lot of their theaters car mikey no 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 oh AMC. amc and this was back oh. in like 2018 ish okay so they were just on the borderline of going back into the green from spending all that money and then the COVID hit so that's why oh. you almost had the filing of the bankruptcy with amc oh all right. that's really what was hitting them hard is because they yeah. they, ha- they said they set the whole plan in place and to make it back in a five-year period basically five billion dollars yeah they did a good plan yeah and just you know the situation we ended up in uh yeah. so quick question do you feel like the basically it since there's not gonna be an avengers movie this year yes okay is it going to hurt the avengers like the brand more not having a movie or do you think it's going to actually make it more anticipated for when black widow comes out i don't think anybody has lost their momentum for their love of marvel or superheroes for that matter i know i haven't i'm looking forward to it um you know, I'm not a huge, like, um, say, Black Widow fan. I don't know much about her. Um, I, obviously, I look forward to every Marvel movie. I remember the first the first one I saw was Iron Man, the very first, like, MCU one, um, at least, um, back in theaters in 2008. My dad took me and my brother, and, like, I'll never, I, that was just, like, a very small memory stuck in the back of my head. And, like, then I didn't know that it was going to start, like, turn into what it did. And then, like, last year when Endgame came out, I got to see, like, go with, like, 13, 14 of my, like, closest best friends to all go sit in an IMAX theater and, like, watch it together. So, like, that was just one huge experience that, like, culminated from years, um, which was just insane to me over, like, 11 years that you don't even notice that that time goes by, but, like, that little bond that you have with people is really cool over just, like, your love for movies or love of one thing or, you know, superheroes. So, you know, I think that that's really cool. I don't think that it's lost its momentum whatsoever. I think those movies will still be just as anticipated if not more and i think what with disney's doing with like all their shows whether it be like hawkeye or uh what is it winter soldier and the or falcon and the winter soldier and wandavision like you know i hear a lot of people especially one of my very close friends with kelly like he's always telling me about those and i don't know if i'll watch those because like i'm not too much of a tv oriented person there are some shows that i watch um but I obviously watch a lot more movies. So, you know, I'll still be just as excited. I think everyone will be just as excited. I, I don't know if it'll hurt them if they have to put some of them on streaming services to make back their money, because I think the longer that they wait, obviously they lose more and more money. That's what they did with, like, Mulan and some of these other big ones that they're putting on streaming services. But, um, and it's it's hard to say, too, because it'll be hard to tell, like, what the numbers, if the numbers are indicators of, you know, if people are motivated or not, because I think once, you know, theaters do start to reopen, like, everywhere, and, like, everybody's allowed back in, maybe not full capacity and whatnot, like, is everybody going to show back up, like, the huge hordes? Like, I remember, it's crazy to think that a year ago, when Endgame was on, I was in a theater of hundreds of people, and we're crammed together like this, and now it's, like, you're only allowed, like, what, 25% capacity? That's what it was at our theater at State College, or, like, maybe 50% capacity. It's going to be hard to tell, you know, if people are still motivated, if people still want to see those. I think generally, yes, will people go out to make the effort to go see them? 
that's a question. Well, it'll be a social experiment because yeah. all these streaming services coming out, yeah. you know, do people prefer to watch in the comfort of, them, of their own homes yeah. or go back? My personal opinion on that was, and I said this, I don't know if I talked to you about this, but I always said if we shut down bowling alleys, theaters, and whatever for just like a decade, like malls, oh, just yeah. for a decade, when we brought it back, it'd be like the coolest hype thing. Yeah. No, I think we talked a about generation. That. On our on the one we did the like the AMC yeah. podcast, I think you talked about that. But sorry, continue with what you're. No, I mean, I mean that's just my opinion. If we brought it back, it'd be more like more hyped because then oh, yeah. we could. It would be like almost like a a memory for our generation to go take our kids or whatever to like. Yeah, oh, this one we used to, yeah. you know, this one we used to do. Now that might only last for another five years after we yeah. reintroduce it. But I think that would be like a cool way to save the theaters. But it's also an interesting social experiment to see if people are going to go back to the theater or not with the new streaming services. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's just like, uh, it's just like a social thing. I know you said social experiment, but like, I don't know, to me, I like, I miss the like tangible, like just being able to do it or like hold it kind of thing. Like I used to love going to Blockbuster and the video stores and stuff when I was younger and I'm like a movie collector now and I have a bunch of like Blu-rays and DVDs at home. And like a ton of people ask like, you know, why would you get that when you get it for free on streaming or something like that? And it's just like, if you're if you're a collector and you enjoy that and like you appreciate those things, it's different. Um, I know there's it's like not too many people out there that are like that because they think streaming just made everything so much easier. But to me, that's something that's just like cool and I appreciate that. I'm a collector, I guess, in that regard. Um, but like the streaming, to me, it just takes the fun out of all of it. Like every time I go out to the movies with a friend, it was like an event. It was something to look forward to. And like I'd go on like a weekly basis with some of my best friends when I was still at Hazleton in high school once we got our licenses and stuff like that. Any excuse to go see a movie was a, a cool one. And then, I mean, it's definitely probably put me in the in the tank debt-wise for, you know, money because, uh, you know, it would lead from going to the movies to Applebee's after if it was past 9 o'clock. You got to get those half-price apps and whatnot. Get the wings. Yeah, get the, the wings, wings or a McDonald's drive through Wendy's, Taco Bell. Like, you name it, we did it. Um, we still do it, you know, it, when, when the chance arises you know I, I feel like all the money that i would have been spending on going to the movies now has just been transferred onto food like going out with friends to go through drive throughs or again applebee's or anything like that that's in the area i just spend on amazon or amazon <laughs> amazon's a good one too i've been trying to cut back and just get things that i essentially you can't need cut back not- it's, it's- it's around Christmas. No, season. I know. Be spending again, that's so. the thing too. Yeah, everybody's gonna you're gonna get gifts for everybody now and whatnot. What so. is a good gift for movie fans right now? If you're if you're gonna buy for your like movie fanatic friends, what's a good gift you're gonna give them? Because you can't get them a gift card to the movie theaters. No. Uh, <laughs> that'd be a sick that joke. Would, though. That'd yeah. be a sick joke. Yeah, that would be. That would be. I mean, you know, Bloom's is Bloom is still open, not as much, and there's not much of an option. But I, I don't know. The coolest thing, I guess, it would be like any kind of memorabilia or like collectible item at this point. Um, like I don't know, like a subscription to a streaming service would be kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't find that too enjoyable because I don't know, I like I said, I just like streaming services. Yeah, they have their their use and everything, and that you know they're worthwhile. But to me, it's just it's just a different feeling when you're like out there. Um, so I don't, I don't know what the best gift would be. I mean, what would you say? I don't know. I like those Fungo Pops lately. Yeah, the, okay. Save. So, I have one back here. I don't know if the camera can see it, but be, I got a Wolverine one. Oh, okay. Bring out here. All right, cool. That's awesome, Wolverine. I got that That's actually cool. for uh, quite a few of my buddies. Not okay. the same one, obviously. I went based off whatever, so I got like yeah. Star Wars ones and other like I think I got a Sherlock Holmes one too. Oh, that's cool. my buddy. So um, we're gonna run an ad real quick, uh, introducing what we're gonna do on this channel coming up forward, like or past projects too. Uh, so we're gonna give a quick break and then we'll be back with the final question. all your fault. You never heard anyone. Lauren? Ask you one thing. Stay away from Kate Clemens. We're back with the final questions here. I know I said question, but we're going to switch it to two real quick. Um, there was a quote that I had heard watching Film Courage. I don't know if you ever watched Film Courage, the YouTube channel. No, I, I would encourage it. Uh, encourage Film Courage, yeah. you know, like that. Um, so what I would... 
I'm sorry. What just? I saw like a face made. What happened, Connor? No, because in my head I was thinking the encourage thing, and then I looked at you, and then you made the same joke, and I was like, ha. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. That's probably staying in the cut for this podcast. Anyways, uh, no, I just saw Connor's face over there, like lighting up. I was like, oh man. Um, so the quote, the quote was, "The fear of being rejected leads people to rejecting themselves." And not only can that be kind of life in general, but his reference, which I find it more to life, uh, but his reference was specifically with screenwriting. That's what his episode was. I wish I, I wish I had the name of the person that was speaking. Uh, Film Courage does a bunch of interviews. Uh, so they talk to behind the scenes and writers and stuff. Uh, what he talked about when referencing this was he knows how the Hollywood model is. So you don't really want to, like, we all think that writing for a studio means like creating yourself, your personality, what you put in all your work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the longer you stay in the field, it's kind of like writing for what the studio knows that they're going to produce. They have like a specific style. Yeah. So he, the fear of getting rejected with your script is kind of like rejecting yourself. Yes. You know, and what you stand for in your personality. Um, and I thought that was an interesting quote. That's why I'm reading it. Um, but I want to know, do you feel... You don't have to speak, obviously, like on the mainstream spectrum. Yeah. But is there anything like when you're writing, you feel like, oh, I can't put this in there? Like you wish that you could be your true self. And why do you choose these decisions? So just like on a basic like ground level start with that question, I'd say that it's harder to start than it is to continue. Um, and what I mean by that is like to just actually sit down and write um like once you get into that like mood that setting and like you see what's you know actually in your head you can sit down and write um a lot easier that's what i've come to find um i know the question is a little bit different than that but i think that's a good tidbit to add in um in regards to the question um honestly i've kind of the thing that i have the struggle with the most is not writing like i'm myself like i always feel like i incorporate a character in there that's me but it like I'm not everybody else. Like I need to like one screenplay. I want to have like someone like me or like based off me in there. That's like the first one I'm writing on or have been working on now. But in future screenplays, like I want them to be a different character. Have di- you know they, maybe some same some of the same like personality traits or you know characteristics or things like that. But I want them to be their own character, not try to be like a variation of me or something like that. Um, and I want them to stand on their own. And that goes for like writing for both like guys and girls. Um, you know, it's it's hard to put yourself like in a different gender and see like if you're a guy writing about like writing a story about a girl like obviously it's going to be a little bit harder or vice versa. Um, so you got to try to put yourself in that perspective as well and and you know get advice. Um, the, I think that quote is uh, very influential. Um, it's it's very interesting actually because and you asked too like uh, you know on a personal level I guess as well. Um, you know, have you ever been afraid to put like yourself in there? I wouldn't say so at all. Um, you know, I feel like everything I've written has been me. There are ways to work around what you might be afraid to put in there as well. Like I know, obviously, without you know getting political or anything like that, like everything times have changed. A lot of things are PC, so you do have to be careful in those regards. Um, but then again, there's still ways to poke fun at a lot of things that aren't maybe as mainstream or as allowed anymore in like smart and creative ways like if you have a confused character i mean i know i brought up borat before like for example like you don't see anybody complaining about borat because his character is like from another country and he's confused and he doesn't get what america's like so when he does funny and like crazy things like nobody really questions it it's just a laugh like that's an example of how to I guess, do that kind of thing without going too far. Um, but, like, being afraid of, like... Can you read that quote one more time? The, the, fear. the fear of being rejected leads people to rejecting themselves. So, yeah, I feel like the only way to stand out as a writer is if you're, you know, you, you write with what you've got and you write what you want instead of writing what someone else wants to hear because the few screenplay books that I have read, they haven't been many, but I need to read a lot more. But the ones that tell you, if you're trying to write, like according to what someone else wants to hear, it's going to be not what you want, not what they want. And you're not going to expect it to be that. You're going to think like, oh, that's what they want to hear. They'll they'll love this. But that's not the case. Like, we've seen too much of the same thing. There's there's a bunch of screenwriters that never make it out there. I'm not saying I'll be the one that will. I mean, like, fingers crossed, hopefully. But, you know, I think that the only way that I'll ever stand out is if I just write with what I know and what I, like, 
you know, appreciate what I find funny, what I find scary, what I find dramatic, what I find, you know, you know, it's, it's what I find that I hope will be able to be transferable over to someone else. And that's not to say that like, you know, there's a ton of people that sell scripts too. And then they end up getting changed through like, you know, the studio with studio rewrites and things like that. And it's not what the original writer had intended or, you know, the story's taken, but conveyed a different way with the director. You know, it, it, there's a process to it all. Um, but I think that if you if you write what you want to see, what you would believe, what you imagine, how you how, if you write how you can see it yourself and successfully know how to do so and use the tools available to you to convey that same picture to someone else that will be working on it, then I think you succeed and you have no reason to fear failure. So never sell your artwork yeah. unless even like there's handshake agreements all the time that mm -hmm. fall straight through. I mean, you can. Look back at the history of what George Lucas went through when he sold yeah. to Star Wars. Um, so, I mean, my advice moving forward in the future, I will never sell myself short, basically, in that mm -hmm. essence. Um, and, you know, handshake agreements mean nothing. But I'm going to put you on the spot here, okay? Okay. So if you pitch a movie to a, to a studio, mm -hmm. okay, and, like, you write these characters, you take the time, you script out the story, and the character or the, and the, um, the studio asks you, yeah, we really like this film, we'll make it a movie, but can we change... The fundamental is behind it. Are you are you um, taking the deal? Is that meaning like the entire story or just one aspect of the story, or is that just like a general question? It's a general question. I want to know at what 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 is your breaking point between like saying no and saying yes? The, so there are passion projects that I have, and then there's ones that, although there are ideas that I have that I feel like studios would probably like gobble right up, or so like I'm not trying to you know be fool myself or anything like that. You know I have I have you know, two variations of these stories. The ones that I consider passion projects that, you know, I can't see being anything other than what I write. Those are the ones that I hope to one day make myself, have my hands on direct, hopefully myself. Then there are the ones that I don't care about as much, but I can see myself writing if, you know, with more practice, more experience. Um, those are the kinds of ones that I'd hope to just sell. And the thing is, I'm going to have to work on those I don't want to say first, but those are the ones that I'm going to have to push forward first because you don't want to go out on your best with your, you know, I, I don't know what the expression is, but you don't want to like... You don't want to start with your best. Just, yeah, start, you don't, you don't want to start with your best. And I don't want to do that because I want to get to the point where like, hopefully I'd be respected enough, that I'd be trusted enough that I can do what I want to do and, you know, portray it how I want to portray it and not have any like interference in that regard. So with those, you know, screenplays that I just think could be like... You know, not nonsense. Like I want to give myself to everything I do, but they're the ones that I just don't care about as much. Those I, you know, start out with. Hopefully, make an impression with those. Show my writing ability. That's the one thing I feel like I succeed in. And then from there, transition into hopefully being able to make my own work and show my own work. Because you know, if the ones that I do really truly passionately care about, it's not like I said, not to say that I don't about the others, but just more so these ones. If I were to sell them or like you know have someone like a handshake agreement or something like that and then it not be what i want i'd be devastated my life's work would just be like like that and i i'd have no control to have her patrol like i feel like getting off topic but Zack snyder's the one of the very few people but that's because he has a lot of respect that he's been able to get his vision across with the snyder cut now that's coming out and like that was almost not even a thing and he's like a very elite director up there um so like someone like Kevin Walker from Berg, Pennsylvania probably would not get that chance that if he were to sell a script to Hollywood, you know, on a long shot, and then it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. It's not like they're going to be like, oh, yeah, well, now you get your chance and you get to film the same thing. Like, they'd have the rights to it. All that would be stripped away from me, and I would never get the chance to see how see it or, you know, have it be conveyed the way I wanted it to be. So... I mean, yeah. you do have the option not to sell it, though. Yes, and that's the so, thing. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I don't... I will not sell myself short like you said i don't want to sell anything that i am very passionate about it would be those like starter projects first i think that i would start off with. we will wrap this up real quick with give us a little bit of outline of what you want your future plans to be so um yeah uh this is interesting because a lot of things are new this semester i know actually the very first podcast that i i was just thinking about this earlier today the very first podcast i uh was on with you back in, I think it was February or March, one of those. Um, I said I had some possible news and that I would 
report back on it if if it ever came to fruition. I don't want to like jump news? the gun. It's not breaking. Is this breaking news? No, it's not. Make it's sure not the breaking. Camera. No, it's not. Give them the close up. It's not that, it's not that big of news, but Here it comes. it's just a little. <laughs> it's a little Second bit. Microphone. <laughs> it's a little bit different than I had um, intended. I didn't. I don't mean to make myself sound anything more than I than I am with, with what I what I say here. Um, but uh, it was something that I had thought about a lot and I had a lot of influence from family and a lot of conversations with family and friends about it um, that had helped me along with it and, and getting into it. But um, I joined uh, Air Force ROTC this semester and that's why I'm spending a fifth year in school. So that to me is like a huge step at least in my life. Um, I'm hoping to go the, I'm looking into public affairs right now, or um, another one was possibly broadcasting, but public affairs would be number one, like becoming a public affairs officer within the Air Force. And that, um, you know, through relaying information from the Air Force to the public, there are different um, ways to do that. One of those ways would be like, you know, news or, you know, you know, work with cameras and things like that. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs, ins and outs of it. Um, there are guest speakers all the time that I'm trying to listen and constantly like uh, engage with, ask questions with, um, trying to ask questions to my peers, uh, you know, the pe people above me. Um, so that's something that has put me in a position now where um, I it has truly made me think, but also something that I wanted to do, like obviously I thought about it beforehand, um, that after I graduate, hopefully I successfully complete the program. You know, there's still, I, I'm just finishing out the first semester in it, so God's only to say that I don't finish or anything like that. I don't know, uh, but I, I, I'm very interested in it. I feel very dedicated to it thus far. I can improve a lot, um, that's, yeah, I, it's an understatement. There's so much I need to improve upon, and I definitely didn't do as as good as I could have done this semester with it. But with that being said, if I successfully graduate as an officer, I would hopefully, uh, at the minimum, I'd have to serve four years. Um, I'm contemplating whether or not I want to serve, you know, more than those four years. I have to see if I like, like make it, it like a lifelong career. Basically. Make it make it a career, or I was thinking maybe even go to ten years or go to twenty years. Like I know twenty years is usually like that. That like max retirement age, or not max, but like a lot of people retire after putting their. I always hear putting your twenty years and retire. Uh, you know, a lot of benefits and perks come after that. But um, there's a lot of it's it's a guarantee. You know, after I, I graduate, that I'd have a job and benefits and you know things like that. Um, I I like that. I value that and appreciate that. And I appreciate and value and respect the heck out of anybody else that serves. Um, and that, that was kind of just something that um, you know motivated me to want to do that. I never thought that I'd be ready or want to or even be like dedicated enough to to put myself in any of those shoes and that's like I said that's not to say I'm uh, I'm, I'm going to be far from the front lines. I, I'm not trying to discredit or like you know make myself sound like anything more than I, I actually am but um, it's something that I, I am, am passionate about right now and what I, I really look forward to but with that being said I consider it a stepping stone it was a it was originally my plan b like if, if film and video didn't work out military of some sort but then as time went on and i thought about it longer and longer and pondered about it i was like well i could probably have the best of both worlds and do both plan b and plan a if i do it right so i i really looked into it i talked to a lot of different people spent a couple months thinking about it up until the point where like i reached out to people at penn state and stuff um and then like you know try to become a part of the, the program and uh, yeah, I kind of lost my track of thought there, sorry. But um, moving forward, my, my plan was to serve at least like those four to 10 years. And with that, after that, um, hopefully having enough money to have paid off any student loans or anything that I might owe my parents or whatnot or anybody else that's helped me out along the way. Um, and I just, can get a new car. Yeah, <laughs> possibly a new car too. <laughs> Um, but also um, just have the ability to move to a city. Um, not that that's going to put me in any position that like I'm an automatic filmmaker or anything like that, but I think a city is a better place to have um, an experience or get a chance. Um, and what I'd like to do is work on some projects of mine that um, you know I, I plan to write or have written um, small things, like short films, start out with short films and small stories and things like that, and actually have enough money to pay you know, like a crew or a small crew, a small group of people or something like that to, you know, help me edit, 
produce, direct, you know, anything like that, or pay actors and, and stuff, and then also have the money to submit those films to uh, film festivals and things like that and get that feedback. Because there's no way you just walk right into Hollywood and, and, you know, have your foot in the door immediately. It's a long process. I've watched many videos on YouTube of people talking about the process to get there from people that started out as nothing, people that started out as, like, you know, had a family member. You know, there's, like, different, different ways to go about it. I don't have a family member. So... And that's not to discredit the people that do. They probably work just as hard as well. But, um, you know, I'd be starting out from the bottom. But I'd have a Penn State connection, which is nice because uh, it's a very nice networking uh, opportunity. And there's a lot of alumni that have come, you know, through successfully from Penn State. Like, um, I know Ty Burrell from Modern Family, uh, Keegan-Michael Key from, like, Key & Peele. Um, I forget what her name is, but the blonde on Good Morning America. Uh, I forget. I think Laura something. I, I could be wrong, but um, you know, there's been quite a few people that have come from from Penn State. Um, not to say that like you know, I'm, I'm going to have those people as connections or anything like that. But I think I'm. I think what I've done so far successfully is just kind of try to line myself up the best way possible to at least have a chance at what I'd like to do. So hopefully, that is the plan. That is the goal to start off the Air Force and then hopefully transition into that but then the thing that is very complicated as well is that I'm not going to be young forever and I would like to start a family sooner than later not like anytime soon soon but like you know I don't want to start one when I'm 40 or 50 either so um you know that would be that would be a, a challenge and, and uh, you know it's hard to say what uh what lies ahead in the future but that's just a uh, uh, game plan as of right now, so we'll see how it all turns out. Well, I applaud you for having that second, like that second option to fall back on. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, especially in our generation, let alone they can't decide what they want to do with the first thing in their life, <laughs> let alone have a, a fallback plan. So I applaud you for that. On top of that, and I think the most important thing, um, and I'll speak on my cousin for my cousin's behalf. I'm not speaking necessarily for him, but you know, he's in the Air Force as well, mm -hmm. and uh, going to all of these different places, these different countries that you could have traveled mm -hmm. to different bases, uh, you're going to get a better experience too with the writing side of things because you, the more experiences you have in life, yes. the more you hear other people from normal stories, the more stories you can write and uh, characters you can craft in your own stories as well. And that's going to give you such a bigger opportunity than maybe normal people would. I mean, I've been in this town. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't really left. I left to go to college a little bit, but even still was in the state. Mm -hmm. um, so you're obviously going to have more experiences than me. But don't forget that no matter what experiences you have, you either write them down like you're continuing to do, whether you're texting them to yourself, emailing to yourself, keeping a journal. Keep all this stuff because that's going to be valuable information. For not only, and a lot of people um, do um, contacts too, like, you yeah. know, they keep little books that they can actually write down contacts. Uh, don't forget to do that stuff. That's going to be important down the road, and that's how you're going to improve not only your writing, but your storytelling experience, because you've actually lived it and know people that have lived it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a great plan for you in the future. So. Nice. Kevin, thank you for joining me on this podcast. We ran over a little bit, guys, but remember to check out the Sheet of Hope channel, the rest of our podcast. Thank you. God bless.